You're listening to Savage Wonder, a podcast about warriors and artists. This show is long-form, one-on-one conversations with veterans in the arts. This show is produced by the Veterans Repertory Theater, which is a platform for veterans to create compelling live theater and events. My guest this week was the wildly popular Matt Rendar, who I could not run into a veteran who wasn't trying to do something with Matt Render, hadn't bought something of Matt Rendar's, hadn't featured something from Matt Rendar's. Matt Render just seems to be ubiquitous on social media in the veteran community, and for good reason. His work is just, it's fun. It's incredibly compelling. It's stuff that is uh, that pops off the page. It's, um, it's playful. It's uh, butch. It's provocative it's fun it's uh you know it it, it's the kind of work that you uh just don't get tired of seeing and to sit down and talk with matt was uh, a blast i mean one thing he's you know a great dude to talk to um but what i loved is how for somebody who um you know had a uh a heavy military career um, a positive experience, but you know, I mean, it was, it was, you know, he was in, in the thick of it. And then who has gone on to uh, serve in the NYPD for, you know, coming up on 20 years. You know, it's been a lot of serious stuff and to see him be so lighthearted about his work, certainly not on the business side of it. He's very competent. They seem to have a well-oiled machine as far as turning out product and, um, and, you know, socializing everything they do, uh, making sure people are aware of it. They have a really, you know, Matt has a really strong social media presence and, uh, and as I say, his work is ubiquitous, but the work itself to just not be precious about his art, to, um, have a sense of fun, a sense of lightheartedness. Um, but also that inherent patriotic, um, romantic streak of wanting to honor those that, um, yeah, that he admires, uh, whether it was the Mogadishu Surf Club or whether it was, uh, you know, combat veterans, operators, whatever. Um, you know, Matt has done work that is just very evocative and uh, memorable. And it's great to see the uh, that it, it doesn't take him, you know, a lot of painstaking soul searching to churn out high quality work that is going to reach an appreciative audience. Um, that was really interesting to hear and to see and to learn about his process. And uh, let me, let me make sure I'm being clear about this. I'm not trying to say he doesn't take his work seriously. He clearly does. And it's just a very professionally done, uh, professionally run operation. But, um, but the sense of fun that is in the art, the sense of play is indelible and that's i think what a lot of people respond to and that's why it is so evocative for folks um both from his composition his colors his subject matter it's uh you know it's stuff that really does pop and um to get a little insight into the digital craft as to how that's done too was super interesting anyway uh i don't want to give out any spoilers uh, or any more spoilers maybe uh to the episode but I had a great time talking with him so this is gonna be a fun one I'm Christopher Paul Meyer. I'm the Artistic Director at Veterans Repertory Theater, and this 
is the savage wonder of Matt Rendar. All right, Matt. This is it, man. This is Magical as a guest. This is the show. <laughs> What's it. up, man? How are What's you? What's going on, man? How you doing, man? Good? Dude, I love the uh, I love the backdrop. No, thanks, man. <laughs> Very strategically placed. That's badass. That's what am I looking at? What is that there? Um, What do you call it? It's one of, the, one of the drawings I do. I do a lot of my art. It's all done digital, so I blow it up, and um, I get them printed on canvases, but I'm a big uh, Warhammer fan, Warhammer 40,000. I don't know if you know about it. So No, so I don't. Know. Okay. It's like, you know, in the far dark future, you know, space gotcha. marines fighting aliens. Yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. Like So it's one of the things I like. And uh, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff. Dude, it's I like little, I like that you went with a colorful one behind you. Like, that's a really cool backdrop. <laughs> that yeah. is freaking badass. And where are, are is this home? Are you home right now? Yeah. yeah. I'm wow. In the, I'm in the, in the battle bunker. <laughs> dude, you got like a, it's like a gallery space in there. That looks awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah I got a bunch of bunch of stuff going on this is where i do all my work you know i draw i model i do painting i do everything so i mean that looks like a sizable amount of space is this like uh, did you take over a floor did you take over the basement where would you basement, do yeah basement, wow, basement. Wow. it looks great man do you ever Thanks, do you ever man. show it do you ever bring people over and go hey yeah take oh, a walk yeah, around yeah. yeah yeah man this is my my little space it's really it's really cool the one um i just got the house like i don't know less than two years ago i got okay the base i got the basement all done up and uh you know, it's just nice to have a, a workspace to go do your art and stuff. I have a Dude, lot of like that. Yeah, and you and you knew what you were doing. You knew you knew you already were going to be doing your art, so you could plan for it when you bought the house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that goes a long way. Do people know what you do? Do people at, at work? Do people in the police department know what you do? Yeah, yeah. So I have a lot of um. You know, I pretty much started really going like kind of public with my art, my side art, um, like t- the end of twenty eighteen. Okay. And a lot, and a lot of people, they're, they're they follow me, they see what I do and stuff, and um, it's really cool, you know. But um, yeah, they do, they do more and more every day. What's what's the response been? I mean, what does it mean for you just on a day to day level? Did it change? Did people's perceptions change of you? Did you notice people treating you differently? Were people asking you for favors where they hadn't been before? They're like, <laughs> hey, dude, you want to cut me a deal on this thing? You're like, well, what was it? How did that change things? Um, not not really, not really. really? It's it's, it, it's cool though. You know what it is? It's um. Like with social media, like Instagram and like Facebook and stuff, to me, it's more of like a, a, a journal. So I just do my thing. And it's it's awesome to be able to share it with other people. So they're kind of taking the ride, you know, with me and stuff. So every day, you know, every week they see different art and I do sneak peeks and stuff. So it's just a great way yeah. for me to track what I'm doing and to share it. So, you know, even I don't see, I haven't seen you in months. Like, you know, you're a good friend of mine. I haven't seen you in months. You know, you're with me w- with my creative process. Right. And you see what's right. Going on. Well, you're like, you are super good at social media. I'm Thank jealous so and much. duly impressed. Well, I mean, just, well, it, 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 it definitely shows like your passion for it shows. And, and the fact that your feed is just so lively and there, it seems like there's such an unending stream of inspiration that you're constantly going back and forth between. And it seems like, tell me if I'm, I'm off, but this is what it seems like to me. It seems like it's a mix of shit you liked in your childhood. things you're watching now and personal experience and it's kind of like 30 percent of each is that roughly about right absolutely okay where did this start how did where did your artistic journey begin when when did you realize this is something that you were a halfway decent at and b wanted to do well um i you know i owe a lot to my father 
he was an animator and artist. He worked for one of those Disney, a bunch of other companies and stuff. So I grew up with the whole wow. art, the art experience and, you know, seeing him work all the time. Like he had his office kind of like I did, like, you know, desk always drawing. He brought work home and um, he encouraged, he got me a desk, you know, showed me how to draw, do different stuff. And um, growing up with that really embedded it into me. Also too, like yeah. the, the one way I learned like a lot of eye hand coordination stuff was when I was a kid, they really didn't have like, in the 80s and 90s they didn't have like posters and stuff like that so anything you wanted like large you had to reproduce it yourself so i would always be like oh you know i want a poster of whatever and godzilla and i'd be like right, what does he look like i want to change it up and like just doing that over and over again and with him i just i, I gained that um i guess like how to draw it was he was he working for warner brothers out in la or was he on the no, east coast did. So in the 80s, he worked for a big advertising firm and he did tons of serial commercials. And oh, really? Commercials on. Yeah. Damn. And then he was doing freelance. He did a lot of cartoons and stuff. So he would freelance for a lot of different things and worked for a couple of movie companies. In the late 90s, he became a, um, a designer for merchandise for the Warner Brothers Studio store. Gotcha. And like, he's just like a gun for hire. So he just freelanced. Yeah. yeah. So, so many different uh, things. Did you think then, because you were surrounded by it at an early age, do you think that was going to be the career path right out of the gate? Or did you, no. what did you no. think? Like, what, how did it rub you? So is it just fun? It, yeah. So like being an artist, it's, it's a, it's a hard, in my opinion, hard right. career. It right. was feast and famine. Like he did very well. And then there was bad years. So to me, I was kind of like, uh, you know, I, I, I just really didn't see, I saw it more of as a hobby. Yeah. I still did a lot of it, but never thought. It would ever um, be something I would do professionally or for fun or anything like down the road, you know. Did you get trained in it at all, or was this all just learning from him and from yourself, just messing around and figuring yeah, it out? Yeah, pretty pretty much. I you know I took I took high school, I took art classes in high school and stuff, but most of it was self learned. And then um, you know later on with you know the invention of YouTube and like also too like I'm a I just consume everything, you know. And like, I you know and if I see something I like, you know, Ooh, I like that, I like that. And just, um, just self-taught over the years. What did you go to school for? Did you end up going to college or were you aiming for something else coming out of high school? What were you, what was so, your aspirations? So like I got out of high school, I went to community college briefly, like floundered around and ended up joining the military. Okay. And then, All right. um, yeah. And at that point, I mean, if, if you'd asked the senior class, Matt, what are you going to do with your life? What did you think you were going to do? Where did you I, think you were heading? I had, I had no clue. Really? Okay. <laughs> I wish I wish I would have had. I know it sounds kind of. Free. I wish I had myself as a dad. Like I'm right. You from, I'm you from the future, bro. This is what you need to do, because I would have done what I did a little earlier and, and wasted a little less time. Uh, so got you. But, um, but that's it's so important. Were you doing art? consistently even though it was just a hobby even though you're just messing around when you were in high school or was it something that really was like you know a very occasional thing no i, I did a pretty consistency i wasn't like insane obsessed like every day coming home and drawing right but, right. but it was always always a big part of what i did and um you know a way to you know relax and create and stuff like that did you keep them? Did you keep that the early? I have artwork? some. I think like the earliest drawing I have is like 1996. But yeah, wow. unfortunately, that you know yeah. a lot of those things are gone. I have some. That's what's awesome about digital now. It's like it's out yeah. there forever. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know, pretty wild. Yeah, no, for better or for worse. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. So, um, okay, so let's talk about the uh, path into the military. So, when you got out of 
when you left community college, what year are we talking roughly? So two, two, well, I, I graduated in 99. So I went right in. Okay. I was flou- I was floundering around and, you know, nine 11 happened and that's what, you know, embarked me on my whole. Okay. It, I, was, I was trying to say, were, yeah, did, yeah. were you a pre nine 11 or did, were you, were you yeah. a nine 11? So yeah. enlistee. Okay. So, and that was, that was the catalyst to kind of launch yeah. you into the military. Um, what'd you end up doing? I ended up doing, um, I joined the army as 11 Bravo. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going to that third infantry division and I went into Iraq 03 mm-hmm. and, um, 05. I did my second tour. So I did my time at Fort Stewart. Got you. Um, did you consider the guard reserve? Did, was there a conscious decision to go active or was it just like, Oh, I think that's what everybody does. Is just join the army and go active. Yeah. No, well to, to go to Iraq, like I was just like, I have to go active. So yeah. I okay. Like, you know, so I found a unit that was going to go there. Because I, I was like, you know, 9-11 and stuff. I'm like, I wanted to get into You were ready to go. Yeah. Okay. All I right. wanted to get into wow. the fight and everything. So I actually wanted to go into several other units. I was like, I asked for 101st, 82nd, like 10th Mountain, you know, just based on what was going on in Afghanistan. Yeah. yeah. And there was no openings for that. And they gave me four other options. And I, I, didn't, I didn't really know anything. So I was like, no, I wasn't actually going to sign up. And then um, I guess the, the major at the recruiting station is like, listen, you want to go to combat? Iraq's going to kick off. I said, I swear to God, if you join third ID at Fort Stewart, you're going to go. He's like, first brigade is going to go there. I swear. And I'm like, okay. And I, I believed him and he was right. What did you think just coming out of basic? Was there a sense of satisfaction? Were you teeth on edge, you know, ready to go ready for the fight? Were you, did you think, feel like you'd found a purpose? Like you'd found a home? Like what was your, what was your mind state? Just at that initial yeah, no, all impact. the above, all okay. the above, you know, serving your country, being a part of something bigger. Yeah. You know, and and um, my grandfather was a World War II veteran. So I grew up with that. He was a dive bomber pilot in the Pacific. So like all his stories and stuff. And his story was pretty, and his brother, who actually was killed in Germany, was shot down in B-17. Wow. But wow. their story was Pearl Harbor happened. And they, everybody was like, oh, freaking sign up. Get in yeah. there. So yeah. that's how I felt with 9-11 is like, I got to get in there, you know, like I'm, I'm not really doing anything. I'm like, I should serve my country, you know, and friggin' do what I got, get in the fight. You were a New Yorker, right? Yes. You were raised mm-hmm. as a New Yorker. So yep. talk about that. Talk about what that meant for you. Was there a part of you that was like, motherfucker, this is my fight. This is my war. This came to my doorstep. It's, you know, everybody, there's a million, you know, nine 11 stories and stuff, but sure. you know, I, <clears throat> I was actually working in retail at the time and um, I was carpooling with my manager. She, we graduated high school together and we were driving. And I remember hearing it on the radio that a plane had hit the tower. So at first I'm thinking like a Cessna, like a small plane. Yeah, right, accidentally. right, right. And then we get to work and we hear another plane hit. And I'm like, yo, that's terrorism. Like there's no way two planes hit the same thing. I call my father up. He's like, yo, they just hit the fucking Pentagon. I was like, get out of here. I'm like, it's, you know, like, we're the number one military force in the entire country. Like how in the world would they crash a plane? Yeah. Gone? And then yeah. turn on the news. So the, I was working out at this uh, clothing outlet. They closed it all down, went home, just turned on the TV like everybody else and just saw, you know, how crazy it was. And, um, you know, that fireball that it's like, a, you know, in real life, you like explosions and stuff in my yeah, right. Like, you very rarely see fireballs. Yeah. Like that was a fireball. Man. Yeah. Um, horrible. What a horrible day. Yeah. You know, well, no, absolutely. And I think, I mean, there's, for me, there was a sense that as a New Yorker, 
this was an incredibly personal act. It was like the eyes of the world were, I mean, New York always, always feels like the center of attention for the world. You know, that's something <laughs> New Yorkers, we New Yorkers have. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was, <laughs> but definitely that day, I mean, I just remember seeing all those uh, letters that came in from like schools in Oklahoma and Kansas. And they're like, we're thinking about you. We're praying about you. And I was like, God damn, really, this is the, the we are the cutting edge of this war. And this is, you know, this is, there, there's a New Yorker fight in this. Did you get any of that going to basic? Was it like, oh, you're the New Yorker? Oh, yeah. Hey, oh, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like, you know, I remember my Jill Sarn's like, where, where are you from? I'm like, New York. He's like, you got a knife in your pocket, you know? But, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And and so, so um, how quickly did you, what, what was the flash to bang before you actually shipped off to Iraq? So I basic? actually, so my, I was in first brigade. I actually missed the invasion. I got there. What happened was they invaded, they, they set up in Kuwait, I think about January of 03. They crossed the berm March 19th. I didn't get there until late April. I was mm-hmm. actually a, um, a replacement. I had a, a chalk of guys that were all replacements for people that were killed or had emergency leave and had to leave. So I land in, um, I flew out of Kuwait, uh, I believe, believe, not Doha, there was an air base north. We flew in C-130, we flew into Baghdad, like freshly just taken over Baghdad International Airport. Mortars were coming in and stuff, pretty wild. Um, you know, drove in, you know, soft skin Humvees and deuce and a right through the streets of Baghdad. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we met up, I met up with my company and my battalion. So th- it was very, not too eventful, like yeah. a couple things here and there, but like the shock and awe was still like pretty much in effect and the, uh, the insurgents really hadn't started yet. You, you yeah. just started seeing first armor division later in the, later in the year took over. Uh, no big red, yeah, big red one, not big red one, first armor division. They ended up taking over and you started hearing and seeing like the IED started, the ambushes started, like the insurgency started building and they started figuring out that, you know, we weren't unkillable and stuff like that. Right. right. I ended up leaving in September back to Fort Stewart. So it was a very, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a great deployment, awesome guys. And, um, but it wasn't like the blood and guts at all. of Sure. Deployment. Sure. Let's talk about just that reaction for your your emotional state coming back off that first deployment yeah did you uh what was the sense was it uh, euphoria like hey i went and i did my part was it like goddamn there's a ton more to do and i can't wait to get back uh was it like oh shit i'm in this now i gotta write out my contract where, where was your head at um i wish i could have done more like i got there like all the guys i with like my company took the airport my battalion took the airport there was the thun- the they took part in the thunder run, which was the giant armor attack into mm. Baghdad and stuff. You know, I was in um, Charlie Company, like Bravo Company, had the first combat j- uh, javelin kills uh, mm. in the world. They, wow! They killed they killed some T seventy twos over at the airport. <laughs> so um, those guys were like grizzled. Like I walk in, it's a funny thing too. So I come in with the chalk. Some of us go to this platoon, this platoon. This yeah. platoon. Everybody was treated differently. The guys in my platoon, they treated me very well. But, you know, like, like take out the garbage, do this. I'm like, yeah, no problem. You know, like, because I was a new, you know, like yeah. FNG and those Vietnam yeah. movies and stuff. And, um, but like, it was funny though, because like, you know, I was ready for it and it, it wasn't really there at that time, you know? And like, I had my helmet, I had my, my goggles, like 550 cord in my helmet. They're calling me Sergeant Eversman from uh, Black Hawk Down and stuff. So, like, <laughs> but um, great group of guys that were like, just went through all the shit. They went to the Kabbalah Gap, it was a big, big battle on the way up there. And, um, I was glad to serve with most of them when I went for my second tour. Like 
it's like a lot of the guys they knew what that what was going on and how sure. to do things sure going into the second tour so like i had a crew of awesome ncos and leadership going in did you so did you feel like did you feel unsatisfied after that first deployment was there a sense of like ah shit i kind of kind of kind of missed out on on some stuff and i didn't fully yeah no absolutely bond. A- yeah absolutely but like at the end of the day like I did the best I could. No, what can you do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. like you can't yeah. beat yourself up for, you know, like right. I, I did everything I could, you know, it's not my fault, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, no, a hundred percent. I wish, but, um, but was there that sense, I guess, that you really wanted to get back to the fight yeah, and I go to get back? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty okay. much my first tour was, this is a taste of what it is. Yeah. Um, these are the guys, these it was like a movie. I had a very movie like military stint. Like, here's the guys, this is the cast, the characters. All right, we're going to go back to Stuart. We're going to do, you know, two gunneries and an NTC rotation. And then we're going to go back there for round two. And now, you know, you're going you're gonna to see what's up. And, like, you know, who knows what's going to happen in 2005? You know, who knows? You know? Right, right, so, right. Because 2004 was a bad year. You had yeah. Asia, you had a lot of, lot of stuff. You know, America was on the back foot. What, how did you feel being back in the States and going through the train-ups? Uh, did you feel like lessons were being learned? Did, could you see a noticeable difference from the pre-mob for your first deployment? Were you like, oh shit, we're smarter now, we're better now, the TTPs are changing? Did you see all that? So a lot of, I mean, this is my small opinion in the world. A lot of the cadres, I'll, I'll give you an example, at National Training Center, a lot of them were veterans fresh out of Afghanistan. Mm. So when we did the giant thing, so there was always an argument and a, and a bit of gruff because all my NCOs were all Iraq invasion guys. And, you know, like the way that the insurgency and the Taliban were fighting were way different, you know, were way different than they, how the Iraqis, like the Iraq was like a lot of urban, you yeah. know, and the Afghanistan yeah. was a lot of mountaintop valleys and stuff like that. So there was always kind of like, this is not how we do it. And, the, you know, like, but, um, you know, but, you know, end of the day, you, you know, you do what you got to do. You, you get trained up, you know, do what you have to and then move on next. How were you personally during that time? Um, were you, uh, was your kind of life on hold and you were completely just 100% doing army stuff and you couldn't think about anything else until you got back? Or were you able to kind of have some moments of introspection, start to, you know, work on your family, work on yourself, you know, uh, mentally, where were you now? Was it, was, was life different now uh, coming back and starting to, go shit this is this could be a full-time this could be a career or were you like hey all i can see is the 50 meter target and i got to get back to iraq and finish i think get a better taste i I did it in chapters like let me train up as best as i can let me get ready for this and then we'll do that next appointment and we'll you know i was just kind of going along the one the one thing i did do that leads into like the rest of my life was so i get back from iraq in september 2003 one of my buddies, he was he was from New York. He was one of the sergeants of my platoon. Is like, hey, the NYPD is here. New York City Police Department's here, mm-hmm. and they're giving recruiters are giving tests out at the Fort Stewart Officers Club. You should gotta go. And I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take it when I get out. He's like, no, no, let's go take it now. They're giving a pre. So he literally dragged me. All right, let's go. So we went. I took the test. Wow. So um, they sent me to score. Like you pay when you get out of the army, just give us a call. We'll start an investigation to process you. I'm like, okay. So that was you know, down the road, I had to get a letter signed by my CO, but that was always like an option down the road. Boy, that's incredible. Oh, that's yeah. a, that's a real, was that, were they offering that to anybody or did you have to be a New Yorker? Everybody. 
No, 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 no. So, um, wow. Yeah. I never heard of it. We go to the wow. officers, we, we go to the officers club and there's, um, tons and tons of chairs and tables. And then a bunch of NYPD guys and polos are like, Hey, there's like seven of them. Like we're here for the you know NYPD. You know, we love military guys. Here's your test. You guys will get five extra points. You take the test, take your time. You have a certain, you know, whatever, two hours, wow. three hours. Uh, we'll mail you back your scores. You get a letter signed by your CO and you, we'll put you on hold. When you get out, you're interested, give us a call. And that was it. And I sat down, I took a police test, you know, and uh, as a PFC and uh, it helped out later on. But, you know, thanks sure. to my friend Mike for, because I was, you know, I was a lazy bastard. Of course. <laughs> I know, right. I was like, I'll take it later. You know, <laughs> it just would have, it would have just pushed things out, you know, yeah. later on, later on in my life. So had you ever considered the military as a career having gone in for nine 11? Was there any time before you took the NYPD test where you were like, yeah, I, I, this might be what I do the rest of my life. Or was it always like, eh, one contract, let me do my part, but I'm not trying to do this for a career. I I was, I was kind of like just going about it, you know, seeing what's up. Like I, I might've stayed in the, um, the reason, like the flash forward to when I ETS, the reason why I got out was, um, so I got back from Iraq, January of my second tour, 06. I was ETS in April. So I had friends that were ETS in October, November, December of that year. And the rule for the stop loss was if you uh, were getting out within three months of deployment, you were going to Iraq, you were getting stop lost. So I looked at myself, I'm like, maybe maybe this is God's like reason why, like I had the NYPD test, I'm getting out in April, maybe you know, maybe I just, um, maybe I take this shot. Maybe that's a, a sign just to take the shot. And that's what yeah. I did. So a lot of people that were going to get stop lost, they yeah. knew it. They just reenlisted and, you know, they get the extra money and just continue on. But I just thought like just the way that things lined up, I think that was a sign for me to go a certain way. So I, I took it. Totally. Well, and it, it's interesting. I mean, boy, that it's a relatively rare thing. I think to have not a guaranteed safety net, but something where you know, it's pretty good odds that NYPD is yeah. going to pick you up and go, shit, that's a good opportunity. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it's right there. Um, flashback to five years before, would you ever have thought that you would ended up in the military law enforcement complex? Like w- w- if somebody, if, if the older you had said to the younger you, yeah, you're going to be a cop, you're going to be a combat veteran and all that. Not a would, clue. You never I mean, would have anticipated. I think I think nine eleven changed everything. Yeah, for yeah. So people and I'm definitely one of them. You know, very faithful day. You know, spun my yeah. You know, but um, yeah. No, that makes sense. Let's dive into uh, the second deployment then. I mean, um, how was it for you overall? Did you feel um, like your fun card had been punched? Were you like, <laughs> yeah, I'm good? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was right out right out the gate. It was um a pretty pretty rough deployment. So um, you know. Where were you? Where'd you end up going? I was in uh Samara, Iraq. Okay. So we stayed over. Um I'll give you the mini story about it. So Samara, Iraq was pretty much a city that was bypassed like during the invasion, they didn't really do anything. And it was a hotbed for insurgency. And then they had Fallujah. So um, I believe, I don't know. What, I forget when Fallujah kicked off, but they did like a mini Fallujah in Samar yeah. in like April of 2004. They killed a lot of people. It was really bad. They left it, and they would do missions into it all the time. So the problem is, every time they did missions into it, they're running more into ambushes, IEDs, all these complex, you know, attacks yeah. and everything. So their, their idea was in October of 2004, Big Red One, um, I think it was 226 Infantry 
They're like, we're going to punch in there and we're going to take the city and we're going to put a permanent patrol base in the middle of the city as a thumb in the eye of insurgency and just man it 24 seven. We'll put like two, three companies, infantry guys yeah. there and we'll have eyes on snipers and we'll yeah. just hold the city. So they went in, I think it was October 19th, 2004. They did Operation Baton Rouge. They went in there they killed a shit ton of people. They took the place. They established a, uh, there was a school building in the middle of the city. They established patrol base Yuvani. Yuvani was named after, I believe, a Pennsylvania National Guard guy that was killed during the, inv- the invasion incursion into the city. So they were there. They blew up, the engineers blew up buildings around it. So they had fields of fire and they just manned it and just did operations every day. So we came in there in January of 2005 and we did, you know, ride seat ride. They showed us how to do everything. And, um, we we got quickly acclimated to the <laughs> to the insurgents. Yeah, and we just did we just did missions. We were under attack all the time. I think the score was 256 mortars hit within because our patrol base was about man, like two football fields wide. Yeah. But my first day there, I saw two guys get hit with mortar. You know, small arms fire. We had our first guy killed day 12. Um, you know, running and gunning. You know, fighting, killing insurgents, and um, it was it was wild. It was <laughs> car bombs. Yeah, it was there. yeah. And how how did you feel with all of it? Were you comfortable in that environment? Did you find that you were able to survive and thrive in there, or yeah. was it something where it's like, uh, okay, my 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 fun meter's getting more and more pegged, and <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm running out of runway here before I I'm like I got to get the fuck out. Um, no, I, you know, I was I was surrounded with awesome guys, and mm. um, you know, you know, the training, the experience, I had the mindset. Yeah. Also, I mean, like the biggest thing for me was I was at peace with myself. Like I was, you know, spiritually, mentally, mm-hmm. like, like my first deployment, I went over there and I'm like, I've met all these goals in my life. If I die, I did, I live my life the fullest I could. I'm good to go. I'm ready to punch my card. Like that's it. Second tour, same thing. You know, my ex-wife at the time and was pregnant with our first kid, you know, like I lo- you know, lived, loved and did everything I can. My bags were packed. You know, if I had, if I was going to die, it is what it is, you know? So just having that clearance, uh, yeah. clear of conscious and just being yeah. like ready to go, you know, and, uh, you know, I did the, I could do the best and operate the way, you know, the best I could talk about the flight back, the flight home. How did you feel? Oh, oh did you? Uh, well, the flight, home, flight, it's so funny though. Cause my one buddy, uh, this guy, Jason Mason, awesome guy. I sat with him on the plane, leaving the first deployment, then flying to the second deployment. I sat next to him again. And then on the way home, from the second point, I sat next to him again. And on the second time, I'm like, we didn't get killed twice. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> so funny, right? Same dude. I'm like, we, we didn't get killed twice. This is awesome. <laughs> That's something. There's always something like that. There's always those moments of like just that quiet reflection of the quiet coincidence where you're like, God damn. Yeah, that's so funny, man. That's like, yeah, you can't even script that. That's freaking great. What uh at this point, when you got when you hit the ground back in the states after the second deployment, um, you pretty much knew you were heading out of the military, right? Yeah. At that point, yep. mm-hmm. um, were you ride or die for NYPD, or were you like, "Hey, I'll do the NYPD thing, and if that doesn't happen, I'm just going to be a free and clear civilian," and you know, like, what, what was your what were your options? What were your contingency plans? It's, um, it's so funny. I've never really asked myself these questions. Uh, Um, I literally, so I was like, when I got back, I was like, I'm going to, you know, do the NYPD thing. I'll give him a, as soon as I get out, I'll give him a call. 
um, take all the police tests, see what's up. And if we, if it doesn't, if I don't like it, it doesn't work out, I'll come back to the military. You know? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, always there. Yeah. It sounds like you had a, you had an overall pretty positive experience in the military. Yeah. Like it was good guys you were surrounded with. You had a good crew yeah. around you. I have to say, you know, like the, a lot of my NCOs and teammates and stuff are really good guys, really bad motherfuckers, man. Like, yeah. You know, like when the shit hit the fan, a lot of, I had a great lieutenant, great platoon sergeant. It just, um, it really made for, you know, when, when stuff was tough and like it was a lot, you know, shit was hitting the fan, just being surrounded with good dudes, it really made a big deal. Artistically, were you not doing anything during this time? Were you just like, hey, I'm focused on the army? It's about all I got the bandwidth for, or was the would did art play any role during oh, your time in the military? Around. Yeah, I was drawing all the time. Yeah, yeah. Down time between missions and stuff. I had a drawing pad, markers, pencils, was just drawing, doodling, you know, spray painting. We had like we I did murals in our in our building and stuff, like just you know, spray paint and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice, you know, that and video games because we couldn't really we couldn't do anything. Right. Like right. we were in a patrol base, like we were getting RPG mortared, you know, like you couldn't right. go outside. My, my uh, uncle mailed me like a soccer ball and I'm like, hey, we could kick it down the hallway. Like we were under, like under attack. Like, yeah, I remember, yeah. you know, once, one time I was, um, our little, our little internet cafe was like on the third floor and I'm on the phone and talking to one of my friends who's actually a cop and the, the machine gun bunker on top, just, you know, started unloading 240 machine gun fire and my friend's like is everything all right over there I'm like, eh. and my ex-wife i was on the phone with her and a mortar hit next to the building it's like Boom. and she's like is that, somebody knock a chair over i'm like nah it's the mortar <laughs> y'all like legit like like legit like like our shower we had like our shower all the windows were sandbagged and stuff one of our showers um like a little window and they just had some sandbags and a plank of wood and um we're sitting there and I'm in one shower stall. My sergeant's like two down and you hear AK fire right. from the next block over and you hear it hit the wall. And I'm like this, I'm like, yo, you hear that? He's like, yeah. I'm like, nobody has that fucking story. <laughs> AKs hit the wall. But, um, well, it's yeah. true because, because especially at that time, I mean, that, you know, obviously that's pre FaceTime. That's pre, you know, surge. Yeah. 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 All that stuff. And, and just, you know, I, I the jarring way that people back home could hear your voice and then hear some sound that they just never fucking anticipated. And just that cognitive dissonance of going, Holy shit, you sound like you, it sounds like we're having a normal conversation, but there's this otherworldly shit going on right here, right next to you. I think that's a really jarring experience for people. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because when you're in, you kind of shrug it off and you're like, yeah, right. This is, this is what I mean when I say, yeah, I'm, deploying to a combat zone but i but it is it's funny to look at it through their eyes and get that glimpse of like oh you didn't really know that when i said yeah i was going to a war zone this is like actually what that means this is what that yeah. looks like that's freaking trippy were you designing tattoos did you ever design tattoos for people i've done i've never directly but i've had people uh -huh. use my artwork uh -huh. what it is, is i'm like i'm very loose and like tattoo artists are tight. it's always like the big question do you do tattoos i'm like that. but um <laughs> People, but you, you, you didn't start doing that in Iraq. You didn't start no, helping no, no, people no. out with tattoo design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make, make a couple extra bucks to play cards with, you know. But, um, um, did you keep any of that? Did you keep any of your, your I art have, from over there? Yeah, I have some of it. I have some of it. Have you ever shown it? Um, I think so. Do you like it? Is it good? Is it stuff yeah, you're proud some of? Cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. some cool stuff. You know, a lot of it's like ball, uh, ball point pen 
you know, stuff. It's just done with the materials I had at the time. Sure. So. What were you drawing? Was it imaginative stuff? Was it realistic yeah, like stuff? What was imaginative it? stuff, like comic book stuff, you know, like portraits. Like when I, during during the um the first appointment, I actually did some sketches of like looking out the window. Or whatever, oh, you did? Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll dig those up. And I'll yeah, that's cool. That's yeah, cool stuff. Yeah. Stuff. No, that's that's very cool. Um, okay, so you come back, you go into NYPD. Yeah. I'm assuming. Was that an adventure to get through it, or was it kind of like no, I, done and done? So Did they make it easy for you? I my NYPD experience was so fast. So literally, I ETS out of the army. I moved my family back up to New York, and so I was staying with a friend down there. I ETS. I'm literally driving I-95 all the way up to New York from Georgia, and I called NYPD, and they're like, "Up." Oh. I'm like, "Yo, I'm out." They're like, "Yeah, come out. Uh, can you come in in three days?" I'm like, "Yep." Came in in three days, started the wow. investigation. I was in the academy in three months. So at that time, they really need. people and yeah um, so like i go from iraq in january and then i'm in the police academy (laughs) like six months later (laughs) wow fucking trippy um and now you know this is a career right i mean like you're so now you're like okay this is what i'm gonna do yeah um i'm i'm trying to project a little bit so this may not apply to you but but uh, i'm gonna throw it out there was there a sense of, um, I think one of the biggest things that I found, and maybe this was true for you, was a sense of identity that you get from being in the profession of arms, whether that's mm-hmm. military, law enforcement, or in your case, both. Did you find that? Were you like, hey, the guy that was kind of aimless doing a retail job and all that a couple of years ago, now I, I have a new identity. I'm a bit of a different person. Did you find that? Did you find like um, that you're there's kind of a divide now between you and the average civilian because you're like, I'm actually, I've actually done some shit. I'm actually mm. been in the profession of arms. I'm a, and I see the world differently. I hold myself differently. Mm. I have different expectations. Was there that, or were, were you still just kind of like, yep, still Matt, no, still I, me? Everything you said, no, everything you said, you know, like see the world differently. You know, I've, I've, um, you know, like sworn the oath. And um, I'm there to protect the people, you know, the people that can't protect themselves and stuff like that. You know, I really, I really do feel that, that, you know, you know, stepping up to those professions and, and um, is, you know, very vital to our society. And it's, um, you know, I, I, you know, I enjoy it. It's, it was, it's exactly what you said, though. Did you find with your art that, and I know it's at this point, it's still a hobbyist thing. Mm-hmm. But would, was it changing at all? Did you find it harder to like draw battle scenes? Did you find it harder to, or, or did you find like some need to go, no, I really want to show more of what it's like as opposed to, you know, the fantastical or, or was it still escapism and you're like, no, fuck it. Let's, this is fun. I, yeah. I, I just try to blow off steam here. Yeah. No, it, no, it's, it's more just an extreme, you know, escape kind of thing. Um, there's some like, oh, you know, there's like little Easter eggs and everything, but like, I don't take my art too seriously. <laughs> yeah. So some, some people and not, not now, but like in the beginning, like, Oh, is there political this or that? I'm like, no, I do the rule <laughs> of cool. I do the rule of cool, man. If it looks cool, I draw it. You know, like that's, if I, I do things to make it look cool and just try to that, you know, it's not like, there's not like, you know, I don't know if that breaks anybody's heart. There's no, no, <laughs> I, it's actually, I, I think there's a clarification with that. I think it's one of these things I'm going to pontificate. You tell me if, if, if you think I'm off on this, but, but I feel like, I mean, certainly nowadays with TikTok and with the quest for fame that everybody's on and whatever, like there's, there's a lot of bandwidth spent on being an artist 
from mm-hmm. inception, like from you come out of the womb and you need to be not an artist necessarily for art's sake, but for fame's sake. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're talking about is the exact opposite of that, where it's almost like it's it's almost art's original purpose, which is to be a bit of a safety valve, blowing off steam, um, entertainment, the sh- shift of gears. Um, it can be enlightening. You can learn stuff from it, but it's kind of put in its right place because um, <laughs> you're kind of doing the important work first. It's like, hey, how about we kill the bad guys? How about we keep things safe? And then now we've created an environment where art can flourish as opposed to going, hey, I need to put my stuff out there. I need to message my stuff. And then, oh, yeah, well, if it's dangerous over here or whatever, well, that's just society and I can't deal with that. But there's a social responsibility. And I think that's a big difference between those that have been in the profession of arms and gone into an artistic path versus those that just were like, I have this talent inside me. God damn it. Get out of my fucking way. I've got to get it done no matter what. I I don't know. I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill, but does that kind of make sense? Yeah, no. You know what it is? is, um, You know, know, off my own chest, whatever. It's it's like what I do is nice because it it all came from something. You know, it all came from an experience, you know. And, um, you know, I just, but I agree with you 100% though, you know. What was the first piece you did that was um, for for public viewing or something you were okay and comfortable sharing that was um, personal, that was from your own life? And was there a decision-making process in that? Or was it, again, just, hey, this is cool. I think I can draw this really well, and I just want to show people that. What do you mean, like a like a personal moment I drew? I yeah, guess. personal moment you drew, or something based on personal experience. Was there anything like that 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 was like not the not first really time? Yeah, okay. I, I had some. I had some drawings from some experiences. I just haven't. I haven't. They have. They're all like kind of like sketches. They're nothing's been fully realized yet. Later on, uh, you know, when I think the time is right, I'll put some of them out there and stuff. But um, does it feel? Nothing, yeah, does it feel like it's it's a it's a different mindset to draw that versus? A lot of the stuff that you draw that you can kind of be, um, he can have fun with and, and all that instead it's asking you to kind of mine something from yourself. And it's like, oh God, I got to dig into this shit. Is, is that part of it? Is that part of the thought process? It's, just, it's um, it's more like what's the right way to deliver it, mm. the impact, the impact I want. So I'm like, it's not like, I'm not in a rush. Yeah. You know, like I was actually going to do like a comic strip about some of the, the fights I was in and stuff. And um, just trying to figure out like the right way to do it and stuff. And um, gotcha. it's, you know, it's funny though, because um, one of my, I was in a mixed gun battle with my, one of my squad leader. And um, I've told the story the same way since it happened 17 years ago. And I, I thought I, t- I, the last time I talked to him was like 10 years ago. So I hit him up, which is, I love that with the technology, you could just reach yeah. out to people. Like yeah. my grandfather, World War II, he would see all his squadron mates like, every two two years at a in Pensacola, Florida at a uh, yeah. reunion. So I call him like I haven't talked to Sergeant Zim in forever. So I call him up and we're bullshitting. He's great. He's great dude. And we're, I, I would say something about that story again. And then he he gave me a little clue, a little piece that I never he never said 17 years ago. And I was just like, man, now my whole world changed just a little bit. That's <laughs> freaking crazy. So, but if I would have drawn if I would have drawn that comic yeah, the way I said it, you know, yeah. it's burned into my mind. I would have missed that little detail. That's cool. Um, yeah, so when it's right, when it was the right time, yeah, it kind yeah. of yeah it comes out. I mean, it, I guess I'm trying to think about how a best way to say this. I guess with your art, 
as it's evolved, do you find that you're tempted more often to say more with your art? And I don't mean that necessarily politically, but just that you're like, hey, um, you, there's there's a part of you that you personally like want to express something. Um, I don't know, deeper, no, rip I a vein mean, open a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, is, is there is there any of that temptation for you? Um, not now, maybe down the road. Okay. But right now I'm just having, I'm just having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. So like, and it's funny, like it, excuse me, you always see, you see a lot of very, you know, political fun, you know, my, you know, people, you know, stuff that gets people to react to and stuff. And, um, I'm good. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) well, the political stuff I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's a slippery slope there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing too. It's like, you know, my art, you can, you know, you could read into it, whatever you want and everything, but I try to keep it pretty, uh, you know, flat. Well, and it, it looks, it, I mean, it looks fun. Like when you look at your work, like the, there's, I, I think that's something that just as an impartial viewer, I take away. It looks, it, it there, it's always colorful, robust, um, intricate, you know, in, engaging. And it doesn't look like it's taking itself too seriously, yet it's well done, which is which is a, a difficult balance to strike, to be fair. Um, how did your art start becoming something more than a hobby? When did that actually start to occur? Was that 2018 or was it before that? Yeah, 2018. So, yeah. you know, I started doing all this artwork and I was like, you know, how can I share it? How can I make it into a small business? So I came up with the... Um, the brand battle tribe and that's what i i cover all my own work underneath and um it's awesome you know so i've been very successful with it you know i do I, you yeah know, all types of merchandise art print yeah. services and then i've i've met so many awesome people other artists military guys in the in the um, and it's funny because i have like a bucket list of all the different stuff i wanted to do just fun stuff you know like i get really excited about and um like i wanted to do an album cover I did an album cover, you know, I wanted to, yeah. you know, work with this company and do a shirt and do this. And, do, and then there's these charity organizations I want to work with, you know, I wanted to sponsor, um, uh, what do you call it? A professional shooter for shooting competitions. I did that. Like I do all this cool stuff I wanted to do, you know, I worked with a soap company. I have a, yeah, know, a soap brand it. now. It's yeah. so awesome, but just met all these awesome people. And I have a, and there's a ton of stuff right now on my plate that's I'm going to show in the future that I'm working on. It's so awesome really cool just a lot of talent and fun out there what's what's your personal battle rhythm like now like how do you manage having a full-time job in the nypd and being an artist like are you just non-stop have you been non-stop. able to are you oh really yeah, you're on the treadmill i'm a, I'm okay. a, I'm a machine <laughs> yeah no, um no i i'm just always work you know always you know on social media and just enjoying stuff and always always making making art and then um you know, I have stuff every week and just, it's just, it's so ingrained in my schedule and it it's, it's work, but it's not, it's enjoyable. You know, will it slow down in the future because it becomes work and you know, not as fun anymore. Who knows? But right. right. The last, but since 2018, it's been full steam ahead and the ideas keep flowing. Do you do it every day? Yeah, almost. Yeah. Do you it's have to do it every day or is this your discipline of like, Hey, I need to do this a little bit every day to stay on top of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I have dry erase board and I have, you know, everything written down wow, and um, yeah. I have a, I have a pace and um, it's just, I guess from the middle, being in the military and law, 
enforcement. I just have that schedule. Yeah. So like if I'm off for a week on vacation, I wake up eight, I go for a run, I come back, make breakfast. I go down in, in my man cave, start drawing, you know, painting, doing whatever I do. And then lunch with the wife and like the rest of the day, I relax, you know, like I just very scheduled yep. and um, know what I have to produce and stuff. And, um, you know, I have that self-met motivation discipline, which, you know, gets everything done. Let's, let's talk the craft a little bit if we can. What, so it's all digital art, right? So that yeah. means talk to me about the platform. So what do you, what do you do it on? What does that mean when it's digital art? What I are you draw, using? I draw on the iPad pro. Okay. So I just draw right with the Apple pen. I use wow. a couple programs. I use Procreate. I use Photoshop. I use Photoshop Express. I use I used to use Adobe Sketch. So awesome! Like you know what it is with the digital is like you can push things, alter things. You, know, you can change colors. You know, and it, it takes less time, and it's more forgivable to be creative. You know, because I don't yeah, have sure. like ten thousand years to work on something, so I can quickly. Also, too, like doing a um, what do you call it? Um, I'm part. It was a, a composition composition boom you know i want this helicopter here this guy here now nah, it doesn't look good here 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 you could you could just change alter. Oh, you can you know gotcha. you know you can tweak things you can get lay the colors in i take i put colors in things i'll run through filters like oh my god i never thought that the greens look better here and uh, it just it, it lets you mold and sculpt your art you know where originally it's you know yeah it's a it's a very arduous process like you have to plan everything out you know because if you if you don't plan out you're going to go down one road, right? You could waste hours and hours. You have to come back and like, right. It's a lot. right. It's a, that forgiveness makes it a lot easier. How long does it take you to actually churn out a piece? Generally speaking, um, it depends. A couple of hours, I guess. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. But it's I have so many ideas. Sometimes I get an idea like, ooh, I want to do something, and I'll just draw a sketch. But I don't have this at that time. I don't have the push to finish the art. So I just, th it's in the file, but then a month later, I'm like, ah, ha ha. And I go back, I pull that old sketch out and draw it. Yeah. And next thing I know, three hours into it, I stand, it's a complete, it's finished, you know, also too, um, working no, with other, I'm sorry, working with other people, people come up, you know, um, there's a, there's a band I've been doing album covers for, um, the broken side. Yeah. He, I saw that. They have, a, they have a new album coming out and there's like one song and he was, he's like, they're very like, Article Navy kind of theme. So he's like, Oh, you know, would you do a zombie Moby Dick? I'm like, Okay. I'm like, Yo, it actually sounds fucking really cool. I'm like, Oh shit. So I did a sketch of it, like a real quick sketch. And when I was a kid, I loved Moby Dick and the whole story and everything. So, but I was, I wasn't really feeling it, pushed it aside for like two, three weeks, was doing other stuff. And then, like, boom, one day I'm like, Oh, I have exactly how the composition changed the whole composition, jammed it out in like two days, sent it. And it's, and then you have what it, you know, but that was just because. I would have never drew, drew that on my own yeah. based on, um, yeah. but like having that chemistry working with somebody else, it made this awesome thing. It's really cool. Do you, do you have a good free hand? Do you consider yourself having yeah. a good free hand mm -hmm. and how, how did you develop it? Is it natural? Is it, do you have just a great eye or is it hand-eye coordination or is it something that you've developed through just it's repetition? All, it's all the above. I, you know, I think. Okay. It's all the above. Okay. You know? My my biggest thing though is composition. You know, like if you like, I like to do everything very action oriented. So like, I like to have like a lot going on in my drawings and like have a you know point of focus and just have an interesting composition because it makes people you know look into it and then they see everything else. But I, composition is so important. Yeah. You know? And then yeah. Color. But 
at all. Yeah. It's trying to keep everything dynamic movement, you know? So let's talk about just how, how it, what the actual process was like for it, for you to open your Etsy shop and, and really become mm-hmm. professional with it. So at 2017, did you just have a stockpile of work that was done and you're like, Hey, I got to do something with it. Or were you more like, um, Hey, I want to just build on what's been a hobby and actually just flip a switch and start churning out stuff for sale instead. Mm. So what happened with me was, um, so I, I, I was in the, in the police department. I was like, Oh, let me use some of my GI bill. Let me go back to school. You know? So I, I went to community college. I started taking some art classes. I didn't tell anybody what I do for a living. Pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, I was like, you know, like the old guy in the classroom and stuff. A good experience, awesome teachers, you know, just doing my thing. Yeah. And um, so I started sharing my art on Instagram. And that summer, my wife got me an iPad, the, the, the first generation one. And I started, I started drawing. I'm like, wow, I'm like, I can mm-hmm. draw something and instantly, you know, it could be out there. So then I had to, this one drawing I did, um, it's called Up to No Good. It's a bunch of like military guys, but they're all stormtroopers. Like in that picture was the, that kicked everything off. So everybody, you know, um, I had a friend that called me up. He's like, yo, can I put this on Reddit? I'm like, no problem. So he put it on Reddit. He had like 60,000 likes in like wow. one day. So wow. people, it just kept going and going. So then I, I was like, oh, let's see. I saw a sticker company on um on Instagram, I'm like, Oh, let me reach out to them. So I sent them my artwork and, you know, made some stickers and they sold down like minutes. Wow. So I was like, I'm like, ah, oh. so then another friend reached out to me that had a shirt t-shirt company. And he's like, yo man, people will love your art, man. You should try to put on a t-shirt. And it just kept snowballing, snowballing. Jesus. And, wow. um, you know, from that, you know, just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. My wife's retired now. She runs the business and um, the whole business aspect of it and everything. And I just make content and um, just me and her. And then I have a couple other um, companies that make all the merchandise. And I set up an Etsy store and it's it's a real business, you know, got a, got a LLC and everything. Well, and what what's, I think, really en- enviable about what you're doing <laughs> is that you can yeah. just worry about the content and yeah. you're not you and it, you don't have to sweat so many of the small details that go into all that right god bless her soul yeah it's a it's a yeah. two person like she handles the whole business aspect of it you know customer service you know shipping this and that and um i just come up with the content and just come up with the next cool thing you know and it's 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 very natural you know yeah like, what's the plan for when you retire from the nypd do you do it more do you go bigger like what what's the is there a growth plan or is it just take it one step at a time i i mean i'm just going to keep doing what i'm doing you know i'm going to be able to have more time to do more projects and stuff and we'll just see where it goes from there but um yeah it's 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 just i'll have more time you know not being in the the police department you know i'll have a lot more time doing that do you feel like um you know talking the other day with somebody about the music business and about how now as an independent artist, you have so many more options than you had when there was a record company with gatekeepers and all that. I feel like that's sort of true in yeah. your case also, right? Cause you can just do this. You don't need anyone's blessing. You don't need anyone to sign off on it, but is there an aspiration to like, Hey, be badass to do dark horse comic or like something like that. Or like go get into the corporate side of art 
and and go with a big company or is that not really an aspiration is the is it just like hey shit i'm i'm doing exactly what i want to do and there's no, no need to go anywhere else yeah no, no you know i'm my own boss you know like i yeah. you know i do what i want to do if it's not fun i'm not going to do it um <laughs> you know like you know if you you know when you work when you're working for a big company you have to do stuff you don't like necessarily you know and um i have the freedom and I, i'm at the pace and i'm being very you know successful I, i'm like up to 37,000 sales like it's, it, it's rocking and rocking and rolling yeah and, I have an, and it's all i have an awesome group of people that love this stuff you know every day people reach out to me you know and enjoy the stuff like that is i would say the single biggest motivator like how much you know yeah. when you see people doing stuff when you see a guy in a black hawk wearing my patches and you know guys scuba diving with sharks wearing like my shirt and stuff like i skydiving you know I had guys in Ukraine with my patches. Like when you see uh, how much people like it, people in Syria, I had soldiers <laughs> in Syria and stuff, but, um, I've sold every, there's, there's a little bit of bow tribe everywhere. You know, I've from Hungary to Australia to Canada, you know, South America. It, it, it's really cool that people enjoy the stuff and, you know, with technology, they reach out to you. Yeah. Oh, you know, and yeah. Just a, yeah. And just that alone, you know, motivates, you know, it's just, it's a great experience. I would, I wouldn't want to go corporate. <laughs> right, right, right. What's the percentage of your personal projects versus commissions that you do at this point? I really don't do commissions. I do really very slight. Yeah. Okay. I, I get reached out all the time for commission work. It's just, um, I just don't have the time that, you know, people deserve if they're paying for the art and stuff. I do commission, like there's a couple I do, but most of them, wow. I, just, I, I just don't have the time and it, it would take away from everything else that I'm doing. Boy, that's you know, a freaking great I problem bad. I, always, I always apologize to people. I'm like, I'm so sorry, but like, I just don't have the time you <laughs> yeah, know, to give you. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, what um, inspiration wise, where do you kind of refill from? Is it literally like, oh, I just like I saw your your uh, predator thing that you just yeah. put out. And it's like, is it that simple? Is it like, hey, I was watching something last night and shit that just gave me an idea. Or do you like seek out certain things? You're like, I need a beat. I need some inspiration. Therefore, I go to x y and z to go look at something or get turned on in some way shape or form i enjoy i just enjoy content like youtubers mm-hmm. and like other okay. artists like on instagram there's some amazing amazing yeah. artists and stuff i'm just like sometimes i'm like i'm not even the same lead but that doesn't matter like you do it like that's another thing too as an artist becoming comfortable with yourself like this is how i draw this is what i do you know like you know you're not always like reaching for that unattainable goal some of these artists are insane out there but yeah to answer your question though, I just, um, I, you know, I, I see something, I get excited, you know? So like, like I'll give you an instance, like the predator movies come out, oh, which was awesome by the way. Definitely, <laughs> definitely see it. So I'm a huge, you know, huge predator fan from the eighties. My parents won't let me see it. I had to see it like snuck the VHS and everything. So the movie's coming out and you see like the trailers, you see like quick, like, like what does the face look like? So I'm like, <laughs> like a month ago, I'm drawing it. And then I see another photo. I'm like, ah, oh, I fucked up. It's a little different. So then I just drew like a quick picture, just to post that I saw the movie and that I, I get my thumb, my, uh, my, you know, big thumbs up of approval, but I'm like, no, I can't just, I can't just take the picture and put it up there. I could spend, you know, 20 minutes to make a little animation. So I just, you know, simple, simple, but it's cool. You know, it is cool. it's cool. It's, 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 so, and I gotta, I gotta ask you, no, sorry. I, I, I was going to say, I, I just have to, I gotta ask about the Rhodesian trooper. Mm. where where did that come from where, where did the rhodesian aspect come from were you always interested in south africa and south african military and all that well i'm, I'm a huge um 
military uh military history guy you know ever from my grandfather world war ii vietnam all the different conflicts very you know very interesting you know gear equipment and everything yeah and that was actually part of a collaboration there's a youtuber his name's uh, administrative results he's a cool dude he does all these crazy like gun videos and stuff and he always does like a theme and he like he larps <laughs> so he he was like oh you know what do you think about this when he was doing what's the what's the rifle they use again the gl I forget what rifle oh, they use. The oh yeah. Oh oh the Rhodesia. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, they use some yeah, rifle. Yeah. So I was like, oh, let me take, let me make a scout trooper, a Rhodesian trooper, and I'll put that rifle in there, and I'll do the. And he was like, that's awesome, and, and everybody <laughs> loves that design, man. They think it's really cool. It's baller. Yeah, the the, the yeah. brush, yeah, the brush brush strokes, and that's another like the whole Rhodesia thing. Like I want you know all the history with that. It's crazy, man. But um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. But people dig it, man. They dig the uh, the brush stroke camera. and. Mogadishu Surf Club. Where did that yeah. come from? So, so you know, I I was a young kid in '93 when yep. when Mogadishu happened. Yeah, and um, I remember just hearing it, you know, a little bit about it. When I went into the military, Black Hawk Down was like the big fucking deal, you know. And the movie came out, and everybody in there was like Shugart and Gordon, and like yeah. fuck, yeah. and like I heard it. One of the guys in my platoon. Um, this guy Watson, his brother was one of the chalk leaders during the attack. Mm. So he was he was with me in the platoon. Good dude. We actually peed a little stick. He kicked the shit out of me. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but Black Hawk Down, Black Hawk Down was yeah. what I grew up in the movie. I mean, in the military, and that's my. And you know, years later, I, I become friend, good friends with several people that were there. Sure. And um, you know, so I've well, I know, I know you've done work with Brad Thomas, haven't you? awesome yeah yeah, Me and him, yeah. we're a good friend yeah awesome guy so, yeah um, great so, dude. and like that's another thing through social media yeah you know like yeah. me and him are chatting and uh we're in the same neck of the woods he's like get out of here blah, blah blah and then you know boom you know and he he um i did a bunch of artwork for him for silence of light and we did a collaboration and he you know one one day i was like yo can you do me a favor and he's like yeah bro whatever you want man i'm like would you, would you do me like one one rift you know like one for you know if it's like I, I don't have any original music. Or anything. He's like, no problem. Next thing I know, he's sending me 15 tracks, you know? And he's like, my, 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 my drummer, Justin, good dude. They got one of the guys, drummers from um, Broken Side. He's like, let me add drums to it. So now I have all this original music. I'm like, I can't, I can't, I, I love you, bro. <laughs> so, um, wow. yeah, but he was writing the shit, you know, he was in the Humvee convoy and in that. And um, so as a, and, um, through the internet came friends with um what's he um brad hauling so oh, brad hauling yeah yeah sure awesome another yeah. awesome guy yeah. he lost his leg in the battle and everything sure. great dudes so i thought mogadishu club was a funny nod and homage to that whole because like the shit they all went swimming in the water and stuff they all posted right. pictures and everything but uh they're really like a little nod and homage and everybody likes it you know I know a couple of people reached out to me from a battle. We're like, oh, that's awesome, bro. Really cool. That, that's you know, awesome. That. Yeah, man. That's really awesome. Really Dude. Cool. It, it, I mean, it, it is funny. Uh, like you're, you're, I feel like you're one of those guys who just pops up everywhere that everybody that's served <laughs> is like, fuck this dude has like, there's some piece of yours that's going to strike a chord with somebody that served and somebody's yeah. gonna go shit. Yeah. That, that I want like, that's what I'm talking about. And and there's, yeah. it's like everybody seems to take your work really personally and have a personal connection to it. And I think there's uh, I don't know. I mean, that's just been my impression, but it's, you know, 
it's I you know I'm I'm really flattered. Like going back to Brad Holling, you know, yeah. he lost his he lost his leg during uh, RPG hit it. He had his own tourniquet with a seatbelt and a screwdriver. You know, he was one of the first amputees that stayed in Delta Force. And, you know, I think he's a civilian cadre now. But um, so he messaged me. I thought you would like this. He bought the T-shirt, the Mogadishu Surf Club. He bought the T-shirt, had it cut out and fiberglass into his prosthetic leg and sent me photos. So on the back, it says Bow Tribe with the, sh- uh, the shark. Uh-huh. And on the front, it's got the, the girl. So awesome. I'm like, honored. Very honored. <laughs> you know, like, you know. Yeah, what do you awesome say that to he that? enjoys. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> you know, guy's a legend, you know. What but, an homage, man. Jesus. Yeah, man. So very cool. Dude, that's got to that's gotta mean a lot to you, man. I, I, I can't imagine. I, I want to ask just because it is such a difference, and I don't want to gloss over the difference between your time in the NYPD and in the military. But with the art you're doing, do you feel like it does keep those military ties going? Because I feel like NYPD can become its own thing. Like you can yeah, just no, be in absolutely. that world, and um, and it kind of keeps you, yeah, in the scope of of the military and that national veterans, you know, yeah, I don't know, mindset or something. Um, has that has the art really been the bridge for that? Like, would you be as connected to the veteran community as you are without the art? Um, I I think so. Really? I think okay. So. I think All right. so. I, obviously, a lot more. You know. Yeah. It's um, but. But yeah, you know, a bit, but the art definitely, definitely pushes it up, you know? Well, there's nothing like it to bring people together, man. Dude, this is, this has been incredible, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk. Uh, Like I've been seeing your stuff on Instagram since I got on Instagram um, when I got out (laughs) and I was like, who the fuck is this guy, man? Because, and that's the thing. I mean, I, again, I've said this before on the show, but I, there's a, there's, I don't want to say a lightheartedness. But there's definitely a sense of fun about your work that I think is missing in general and that a lot of people run away from because they feel the need to be serious or soul searching. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong but, with that. But but the but your approach is so um <clears throat> yeah, there's there's kind of for lack of a better word, there's kind of a joy to it that I think I don't know, for my part, it's what attracted me to it. And I wonder I'm if that's true for it. other people. Oh yeah. I believe so. I'm I'm so happy that you say that. But yeah, that's it. Like life's too serious, man. Like yeah, you know, like, yeah. You know, like does everything. You know, even like with the just on like on a personal base, like the content you you know you take in, like the news, all like if you yeah. just keep take like get a, get a, you need a you need a little back and forth. You need a little relaxation. A little not not everything has to be so diehard serious. You know, fucking so, truth. Absolutely. It. Well, and especially in the art world. The art world, because the art world, there's a lot of pressure to soul search and to be meaningful and deep and relevant. And it's like, dude, the relevance is that people fucking love your stuff. And that's what's relevant. You know, I'll give you, I'll give you one little, little short story from my, uh, my high school, my high school career. So the last art class you take, like when you're a senior is like portfolio prep where they, they, they prep, make you portfolios. So the college is you and stuff, So whatever. So I'll give you an example. Like, you know, I don't even, one person, not even name, whatever. Like they did, they did their, um, you had to do a, a personal portrait and the teacher explains, you don't have to do a personal portrait of your face. You could do something that's meaning and this and that. Uh, and so, okay. so one guy did like hands bound with chains and like black and like my parents hold me back and like, and I'm in like, I'm stressed out and drug addiction. Ugh. And and then you have my drawing 
is just my face, me running down New York City, people running and screaming, and Godzilla chasing down the street. I wish I still had that picture. It, it was like it was like this. Big. Okay. I don't, I don't that's freaking awesome. But but that that was always that's the pace I run at. You know, it's so weird, man. Because I'm just thinking while you're saying that, I'm like, if this was 1982, your work wouldn't see the light of day. Like people would go, oh no, you're not taking that seriously. It's like the public is here clamoring for what you have. But when the but the gate that's not something that makes it past the gatekeepers, and that's why like social media is so cool for artists just to be able to that flash to bang. Just you got the inspiration, you put it out there, and people immediately pick up on it. Yeah, that's the thing too. Is like, you know, like um, I watched there was a documentary about Comic Con with all these different artists mm. you know, talking to different companies trying to get into the industry. Just start doing what you want to do. Just start doing it. You know, there's avenues. Like I'm actually. Yeah, First heard on your show first. This is the thing. I'm actually working on a children's book. You know, so something totally different. Wow. Lighthearted. Badass. It was yeah. a great idea I had a million years ago. And I'm like, oh, I could do it now. So I'm talking to a publicist now. And, um, you know, it's, it's on my giant bucket list. It's something to do, you yeah. know. So yeah. I'm not worried. Uh, you know, it's not going to, is it going to be on Amazon? No. I'm just going to make, get it printed myself and put it out there and people enjoy it and then move on to the next thing I want to do and stuff, you know. Stop worrying about, you know, the big, you know, get rich, do all this stuff, just make it happen. Well, and it's crazy too. I mean, I, I don't want to gloss over the point that you're, you're making money doing this. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. not, and, and that's, I think something, you know, cause that's every artist's struggle. Yeah. Right. But yeah. it's like when, when you kind of, when you already have a steady job and a career that'll come with mm-hmm. a pension, it, you don't need the extra money right this second, but it's, it becomes a flourishing business. And just for profitability, for the thing that every artist wants, which is to live off their art, you build that framework because you've kind of it, it's you. The scaffolding has been your other careers, your other jobs, and now eventually art will take over. But it's but it can be commercial. It can be wildly successful yeah. just on its own, and that's I think something a lot of people miss when you go down that art school path and become super serious. It's like then you're going to need grants and you're going to need corporate yeah. sponsorship and all that because it's not necessarily something that everybody wants and you're doing it you're, you're giving people what they want people are gravitating yeah. to it you know yeah no absolutely but the, the thing too is like it, it you know to, it, to be a business to do you know get it out there and stuff like you need to get it out there you yeah know, if you find if you're like oh like it's never gonna get done I don't know who quoted it. I don't know who said this. It might have been Steven Spielberg. It might have been um, um, Leonardo da Vinci. But I think it's what art. Art's never truly finished. It's only abandoned. So, uh, like, yeah. so like, I have a certain point when I do art. There's a certain point where I'm like, it's done. Yep. You know. Yep. And a lot of people don't see the mistakes, but I do. But like, just to just to get it done, you know, get it out there. You know, it's um, that's a discipline on its own. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And to, and to have a public in mind, to have a, yeah. to have a feedback and a dialogue with your with your public, as mm-hmm. opposed to making it this aloof, you know, thing that is kind of like, well, maybe you don't get it, maybe you're not ready for it, maybe the audiences are too dumb to get my my very sophisticated art or something. <laughs> and it's like, no, dude, like like you're doing what you want and you're putting That's it out it. there, and and there's a dialogue with the audience, and and as a result, commercially it becomes very successful. I think it's incredible. I think there's a lot that people can learn from it especially when you take start take art too seriously and it does need to be serious at times yeah, it does but but you there's know. but you know there's a lot of give there there's there's not 
you one way exist. of doing it. Yeah. There's room for everybody to exist. And, yeah. You know, and um, I'm just glad that a, a bunch of people enjoy it. You know, like it, that's like, I would say the, the biggest motivation. hundred percent. I, 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 I believe it. Thank you, brother. I know this has been a, a, a Saturday no, morning, but dude, so I, I, it's been a blast to talk and um, let us know when the book comes out and all that. Let me yeah, know. Definitely. I'm yeah, happy, yeah, to, definitely. happy to talk it up and all that. I can't wait to check it out. And um, in closing, um, I'm always bad about doing this. We'll put everything in the show notes, but tell people where they can find your Etsy store, social, all that stuff. If they're not already yeah. following you. So, so yeah, the two things on Instagram, I'm Matt Rendar. That's my little, my nerd secret name. <laughs> And then, and then, um, on Etsy, you can, you can search for just battle tribe, you can okay. B-A-T-T-L-E tribe and then, um, all the stuff that will is. pop up. So yeah, that's cool. it, man. Thanks, hey, man. Cool. Yeah, hey, we'll it. talk down the road then, man. Definitely. Definitely. Thanks again. That was the savage wonder of Matt Rendar. Uh, such a great time talking with Matt. Uh, he's just a really good dude. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what else he does and how his work continues to evolve over time. And, um, you know, we'll have him back on as needed. Okay. Uh, stuff that you guys should know. So we're into September. So, um, that means the parlor is back up and revving. So if you're in the Cornwall, New York area, we have live shows every Saturday night. Uh, this month, the month of September, we have admissions by Joshua Harmon, which is, um, probably the least out now comedic show we will do this season. Um, it's got a lot of social commentary and comedy mixed in. Um, but it won the 2018 drama desk award, uh, and the outer circle critics award. Anyway, really well, no play. Um, and I'm glad we're going to do it. I think it's going to be really fun. So if you're in the greater Cornwall area, come on out and see us. Um, other things that you guys should be aware of on September 22nd, our good friend Anthony Roberts is hosting a fundraiser that will partially benefit us at KGB Bar in New York City. It features a lineup of veteran poets that are going to be very, very familiar to listeners of this podcast. Ben Fortier, Cherie Engel, Mason Roderick, Buck Bulliard, Anthony himself, Dex, um, Justin Egan, like the list goes on and on and on. Anyway, um, that is, is something worth going to uh it's unheard of it is without precedent that we have a fundraising effort that's not done by us so for anthony to have put this together on our behalf is um you know it's great and means a lot and i hope you guys come out and see that we have a bunch of other stuff in the hopper i'm not going to talk about it just yet but those are the two uh biggest bullet points that you should know about right now Okay, if you're listening on iTunes, obviously we'd deeply appreciate a five-star review. Um, Say whatever you want to us or about us, but just slap five stars onto your comments. That would be really appreciated. And other than that, I think that's it. Uh, You can find out any and everything going on with us at vetrep.org. That's V-E-T-R-E-P.org, vetrep.org. That is your one-stop shop for any and everything related to Veterans Repertory Theater, including all of our lines of effort. Uh, that are going on all the time. Okay. Uh, Let me thank our producer, Michael Neal, as always. And I'm Christopher Paul Meyer. On behalf of Veterans Repertory Theater, see you next time when we'll dive further into the savage wonder of it all.